Hi, this is Dale Buchanan, the host of Puppy Talk Podcast. Before we get started today, I wanted to let you know of my new book, The Complete Puppy Training Manual. It's available on Amazon in four formats Kindle ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audiobook. You can find it on Amazon right now. It's called The Complete Puppy Training Manual, and I will put a link in the show notes of this episode. I'm Dale Buchanan, and this is Puppy Talk, the podcast that offers advice on how to raise a healthy, happy, and obedient puppy. This podcast is sponsored by Top Gun Dog Training. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast now so you don't miss a single episode of Puppy Talk. Welcome to Puppy Talk episode number seven. Today, I'm very excited. We have an interview with Michelle Stern of Pooch Parenting. Michelle was a certified professional dog trainer and certified dog behavior consultant. She is the owner and founder of Pooch Parenting, which offers professional support for families with kids and dogs. Parenting babies, toddlers, kids, and dogs can feel overwhelming. Pooch Parenting gives you personalized and professional strategies to make living with kids and dogs safer and less stressful. You can visit Michelle's website at poochparenting.net. On there, she offers online workshops, courses, and consultations. Hi, Michelle. Hi, nice to meet you. How's California? Uh, it is sunny right now, which is really nice. Did you? Although we... We need rain. We really need some rain. Oh, really? Yeah. What, now, what part are you in? I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I'm about 30 minutes north of San Francisco. Okay, great. Did you get a chance to see any of the inauguration today? I did, and I cried <laughs> like a baby. It was all happy tears. That's interesting. I lived on Capitol Hill about two blocks from the, the Capitol building back in the day when things were a little bit different, though. Not so. Oh my gosh! Not so uh, intense security as they are right now. Yes. Now I started listening to your podcast. That's how I found out about you. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast before we get into this interview? Oh, thank you so much. So you may hear a little bit of crunching in the background, which I apologize for, but I've got a puppy back here, and the only way that I could keep him quiet was to give him a bully stick. Um. So, of course, you and I both understand that sometimes we have to give our dogs a job to do so that they behave better. Um, in any case, my podcast just came out recently. I'm so excited about it. It's called the Pooch Parenting Podcast, and it is designed for parents with dogs. And I think it's one of the only podcasts out there that is designed for parents in mind. And my goal really is to support parents as they sort of juggle raising children and dogs at the same time, because a lot of issues come up that relate to safety, that relate to chaos. A lot of it's management-based, and sometimes parents need some extra emotional support because they can feel really guilty over you know, who's getting enough of their attention and things like that. And so this podcast is designed uh, with with parents in mind so that kids and dogs are both set up for success. That is a great podcast. And you you offer such a great service. It's something that's very unique and it's specialized. 
I know for myself with my business, Top Gun Dog Training, I trained over 150 puppies last year. And I would say about 100 of them had families with kids. And, you know, it's it's a lot going on. It's a lot to teach the the owners not only how to train the dog, which is what we're doing as a coach for the owners, but also had to manage their children. So how did you get involved? What got you started involved with this specialty of, uh, you know, dog training and behavior consulting? Well, it's pretty exciting, actually, because I feel like my life has really come full circle and taken advantage of all of the skills that I've developed over the years as I have, you know, grown up and become a professional. So um, I, I really wanted to be a veterinarian when I was younger. And then organic chemistry in college nearly did me in, and that shifted <laughs> shifted my goals a little bit. Um, but I ended up becoming a high school biology teacher, so I still got to really spend a lot of time and energy loving animals and wildlife and animal behavior and things like that. Um, I taught high school for eight years. I raised two children of my own, one biological and one adopted, and while I was raising my kids, I also founded and ran a cooking school for children for wow. another eight years. And that was really fun because um, while my high school career obviously had me working with teenagers, the cooking school for kids primarily had me working with toddlers and very young people. And it, I joke with people that toddlers and knives is very similar to toddlers and puppies <laughs> because they're both kind of, they both require a lot of management and safety and preparation and rules and things like that. Um, in any case, I, um, I got involved with dog training because I started to take some courses from my longtime mentor from when I worked at an animal shelter as a volunteer when I was a teenager and fell back in love with dogs and dog training and did a bunch of classes through her and um, ended up becoming a certified professional dog trainer and decided that a nice niche would be to focus on families with kids because I am a mom and I'm a trained teacher and I understand what it's like to work with children. And I feel that there are that that was a vacuum in in the dog training sort of industry is that while dog trainers go into it because they really love dogs, um, a lot of dog trainers don't have experience with children. And so I felt that there was a need there that I could offer compassionate support to parents because I've been in their shoes and I know exactly what it's like to live their life. That's awesome. That's so cool. When I was in the 1980s, I was a Taekwondo instructor and I taught children and I'm much older than that now, obviously. But when I go to houses with children, the owners say, you're so good with children. You're really great. Not, you know, four, five, six, eight, ten 10 years old. And I teach them a few things to work with their dog in a safe manner. And, you know, I always get that feedback because I feel I am really good with children. But here is the thing that I want to really get into now, because I think that a lot of families can make some mistakes. And I would like you to tell the listeners, what are the protocols that families want to take when they're bringing a new puppy into the home for each of the segments of what we're going to talk about, toddlers, babies, and kids? Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Well, you know, I think what's really hard is that parents don't actually realize what they're facing when they bring home a puppy. So a lot of times parents bring home a puppy because um, they want their children to grow up together and they want their kid and dog to become best friends. 
some parents get agree to get a puppy because the kids have been begging for a puppy for a long time. Um, and some actually get puppies while they're pregnant or even trying to get pregnant because they're feeling very maternal and nurturing and they want to practice on something, <laughs> which I think is really great. Um, but each of those presents its own challenges because people, unfortunately, often kind of walk around with blinders on and they they focus on the good stuff, like the best friends and the potential for a great relationship between dogs and kids. But they forget the fact that dogs are unique individuals with feelings and very sharp teeth <laughs> and, <laughs> that, um, and that puppies are absolutely incapable of making good decisions because they're literally baby, baby dogs. And nobody's taught them yet how to be appropriate with their body and how to be appropriate with their teeth and that children are not litter mates and things like that. Right. Um, and also, I think that a lot of parents grew up in a different time when, you know, um, things maybe were more flexible when we were growing up. Like, you know, we wore seatbelts, but my parents talk about days when we just rode loose in the way back of the station wagon. Or, you know, there are a lot of um, different safety priorities now than there were before. And we, you know, just because something worked out well for someone in the past doesn't mean it will work out well for someone else in the future. So just hoping for the best is not a parenting strategy. Hoping that the dog doesn't bite the kids or hoping that the kids don't become afraid of the dog is not an adequate strategy for moving forward. So I really love to help parents get set up before the puppy even arrives, if possible, if they're if they've thought about that, or helping them as soon as the puppy arrives home with simple management strategies such as baby gates and pens so that we can contain either the baby or the puppy to prevent unwanted biting and chasing even in the first place. So what can the parents do? I like that, you know, that you're, they're thinking of getting the puppy. Let's go, let's go that route. They have children and they're thinking of getting a puppy. They consult with you and they say, you know, Michelle, we're kind of unsure what to do here because we don't know if we should if we should puppy proof this house like we did with our toddler. I mean, what, what do we do? How do we do this safely? And where do you go from there? That's a great topic. Yeah, that's a really good question. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, puppy proofing is a lot like toddler proofing. You know, we puppies get into all sorts of shenanigans and because you and I both have seen this a lot where a puppy who's left unsupervised makes its own fun. And making its own fun might mean eating your expensive handbag or your shoes or shredding entire rolls of toilet paper because, I mean, come on, that's irresistible. So a lot of parenting a puppy really relies on you thinking ahead of like what could become problematic in the future and then preventing access to those things. The other thing that's really helpful is when um, new puppy families sort of already have on the idea of what it looks like to be a, a like a positive trainer. So for example, the concept that dogs uh, repeat behaviors that they practice. So if we allow them to do things that we think are naughty, like chew on our shoes, then they will keep chewing on shoes. But also that dogs do really well with rewards, that if we can ask a dog for what we want and reward them for that behavior, then they're more likely to repeat that positive behavior in the future. 
I'm so glad you said that. I am so, so glad because I say this all the time to my new puppy owners and I say, let's focus on what you want the dog to do. I know you're telling me you don't want the dog to chew and bite and jump and bark and do the zoomies. Let's focus first right now. Your puppy's 12 weeks old. Let's give this puppy a chance and let's focus on what you want them to do. And then we reward them for that. We'll mark that behavior. We will reward it. Positive reinforcement training 101. And you're saying that those are some of the same techniques that parents apply to children and kids, right? Yes, because oh. science is science. So the science of learning applies not only to puppies, but it also, re- you know, it applies to children. So it's the timing of this conversation is actually perfect because I just remade something that I have had on my website. I have a freebie on there called a reward chart for kids. And um, and I, I had one on there for a long time and I just thought it was kind of ugly and old fashioned. So I remade it this morning and it's just a freebie. So anybody who wants to practice rewarding their kids, because it's just like rewarding your puppy um, for making good choices. So let me give you a couple examples of what I mean. By let, talking let, about. let me throw in your website there because you mentioned oh, that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and plug that real quick. Pooch, okay. Poochparenting.net. So because you said that and somebody may be thinking, well, what's your website? What's her? I forgot it. <laughs> so we're going to okay, throw good. that in there. Yeah. So actually, <laughs> if you go to poochparenting.net and then you find the blog and there's a little search bar. And if you type the word reward chart in that little search, then you'll you'll see the new and improved reward chart that I made this morning, which I'm very excited about. But let's talk about some examples of, of how can I reward my child for behaving appropriately around our puppy? Now, there's a couple things I want to dive into. Number one. I'll go into some examples of good behaviors that we want our kids to do. But before we even talk about that, I want to just address the reason that we want our kids to behave appropriately around our own dog is because the way that our kids behave around our own dog is how our kids are going to behave around other dogs. Now, if your child marches up to your dog and gives it a hug It is also likely, your child is also likely to march up to a stranger's dog and try to give that dog a hug, which will result in a bite to the face most likely. So what we have to do is we have to really help our children understand that dogs don't love to be hugged. And instead, let's invite the dog over to say hello, for example. Um, Let's give the dog space. Let's leave the dog alone while it's sleeping or eating or chewing a toy, right? Because if your child treats your dog with that level of respect, then when you when they go to the grandparents' house or when they go on a play date eventually when the pandemic is over and they go to a friend's house with dogs or they see a dog at the mall, they will treat that dog with that same level of respect that they treat their own dog. Because again, kids repeat what they practice. And so by using a reward chart to help our kids make good choices, we will help them make good choices with our pet dogs, but also every other dog they encounter in their life. That's very, very good information. That's so important because not all dogs respond the same way as we know, especially puppies. We don't know where the puppies came from. We don't know if they came from a pet store off a Craigslist from a breeder. You know, they could be eight weeks old or 16 weeks old or even an adult dog, which, you know, there's a lot of adult dog owners that listen to this podcast, even though it's called Puppy Talk. But you said some very key things there. The child knows, the baby, they they know how to approach a dog and how to let the dog come to them. And I see mistakes happen with children a lot on the street when I'm walking my own puppy, Dixie. I see that and I try to teach them and correct them and so forth. And 
you know, stand like a tree and that type of stuff. Let the dog mm-hmm. come to you. Don't reach your hand out to the dog. Just let, allow things to happen naturally. Because another thing you said there is very important, which I want to get into now, is what happens if they don't follow some of these rules that you have on your website or that you teach? What are the things that could happen that you mentioned bite in the face? What else are some dangers that could happen if it's not handled or taught properly? Well, I mean, I don't want to get too depressing because it's really <laughs> bad. I mean, this is a puppy podcast. It's supposed to be fun. No, I'm just, you know, I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm super sarcastic like that. That's how I got through eight years of teaching high schoolers um, was by being sarcastic. Um, no, but really, I, I like that you're saying this. I mean, I, I, I think it's worth noting that our job is to try to help dogs be happy. Okay. And if a dog feels safe and a dog doesn't feel compelled to use its claws or its teeth, that's good, right? That's what we want. And you and I both know that a dog that makes really bad decisions or takes action to protect itself, that dog is likely going to end up in an animal shelter or euthanized for, for that. And I really hate to see when we don't set up our dogs for success Um, And one of my ultimate goals by doing the work that I do is to kind of try to prevent dogs from being relinquished to shelters, to try to empower parents that when the dog is mentally sound, right, neurologically sound, mentally sound, physically sound and happy, we can hopefully try to find a way that this dog can live safely within your family dynamic. Now, we also have to acknowledge that some dogs just don't like kids. And we have to make a decision on whether or not it's the right choice to keep a dog in a household where that dog is unhappy. But when kids disrespect boundaries, when kids have a real hard time following directions, um, somebody may get hurt. And I don't want a child to lash out and like, let's say, kick the puppy because the puppy was chewing on the kid's pants and the kid is flailing around and kicks the puppy in the face. And now you end up with a dog who's afraid of children for the rest of its life or a child who's afraid of dogs for the rest of their life. So there's all kinds of bad rabbit holes we could go down if we, if we go, if we play the what if game. Right, right, right. So I understand. And that's, that's very good information, you know, to provide. Now you just set a light bulb off in my head because I listened to one of your other podcasts with somebody else recently. It was not on yours. It was some other podcast that you posted on your Instagram page that they interviewed you. And let's talk about this because I find this a lot. Puppies come into the house. They play bite too much. They're too rough. They get too excited. And then the kids check out. And the kids don't want to have anything to do with that puppy anymore until it's an adult and it's well behaved. And the kids say, you know what, if it's, say it's an eight-year-old kid, I, I don't want to do this anymore. It bites my hands and arms too much. I'm done. Go get a trainer. And when it's done, when it's all ready to interact with me again, I'll come back into the puppy's life. But for right now, keep it out of my room. What happens then? How do, how do, how do we work with that? You know, it's so hard. And I really just want to make sure that parents get a puppy because the parent wants a puppy, not because the kid wants a puppy, because exactly what you just described could happen. That children may want the idea of a puppy, but they don't realize all the biting and peeing and stealing and destroying your favorite toys and all the things that come 
into play when you actually have a real puppy. Um, you know, everybody has this preconceived idea that puppies are snuggly and they're sweet and they're calm and they do what we want when we want them to. And of course they, they operate on their own timeline. They're their own creatures. Right. And so it's not always what we hope it will be. Um, you know, I think the reward chart is useful to bring in um, with certain kids. I think there are dog-related tasks that all kids can participate in that can help build their bond with the dog, even if they're not interacting with the dog directly. So, um, you know, I will sometimes meet with my my clients online and all. We'll have like a, it sounds funny, but it'll make sense to you in a second when I say this, because I had a cooking school for kids that sometimes we'll have a cooking session <laughs> where, you know, we'll go in the kitchen and I'll have some empty Kongs and toys and all kinds of ingredients in my kitchen. And they'll have a similar setup in their kitchen. And then we will play together. We'll be like, okay, what's going to be the first layer in this food toy? And we put in some applesauce and then we put in some kibble and then we put in some cream cheese or whatever. And it's just really fun to get kids involved because they love projects, even though they may not love the puppy this minute, they love the fact that they're doing something helpful related to the puppy. See, because if you're in the kitchen, the dog's not biting you, <laughs> but you're still, you're still involved, right? And so I think that you can try to get some more buy-in with these kids by setting the kids up to feel safe so that they can trust more. Did that make sense? Yes, it made a lot of sense. <laughs> of okay. course, yes. And I think that, you know, it's giving the kids tasks to do with the puppy for the puppy to help raise the puppy and rewarding them for that. That's really a great idea too. Um, I, I want to go in now and talk about a family that has a dog already, puppy, dog, whatever, and then they're going to have a baby Oh, yes. What happens at that point? What advice do you have? And it can just be basic advice. I know this is a lot of information and this is just a podcast. So there you go. There's, your There's my puppy. <laughs> I know he's he's going through a secondary fear period right now. So oh. he's uh, very uh, reactive to sounds that only he hears. Um <laughs> Yeah. So I actually have an entire class that I made to answer your question. And that class is called preparing dog for new baby. Um, because it's, there's a lot that goes into it from training certain behaviors such as mat training, right? Sometimes it's really helpful if we can send our dog to a mat so that, the, sorry. Hey, Pips. So we can send our dog to a mat and we know that that dog will lay in a particular place and therefore not then get into a dirty diaper situation. <laughs> or I, you can imagine, use your imagination. That I don't want to go into that at, at this point, but you can go there, right? So you can imagine that, for example, teaching your dog to be comfortable behind a barrier, like a baby gate, would be immensely helpful if you have a newborn, because sometimes you need to take a nap and you need to make sure that your dog is not loose while you and your baby are sleeping. Because for safety, if you're not awake, then you're not watching. So there are a lot of things that we can do from a training perspective to get the dog ready for the baby. Um, 
Oh, I had to pick up the puppy. He was going to bark again. Um, I don't think I've ever uh, had listened to one podcast, by the way, with dogs that where there wasn't a dog barking in the background. So to me, it's completely normal. That's not going to be edited out. It's that's part of the podcast. That's part of the deal. If you're listening to a dog or puppy show and you're interviewing somebody, there's going to be some dogs barking. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, I, I joke in my podcast. I actually say it in the introduction that life is messy. You know, and you're going to probably hear somebody in the background, um, whether it's kids crying or dogs barking. That's just how it is. Um, in any case, so um, let's see, where were we? I just got distracted. Um, Toddler coming into the house, you had yes. baby gates and you have, you know, the thing that you said that really that really was interesting to me is the baby and the mother are taking a nap and the puppy is not contained somewhere. That's not a good situation. Super dangerous situation. Yeah. So we need to make sure that dogs learn to be comfortable behind a barrier before baby comes home. Now, I don't want people to get worried and think, oh my gosh, I didn't get help before baby was born. It's not a lost cause. I mean, don't give up. But it is really super when you are thinking about things while you're still pregnant or in the process of adopting your baby um, to prepare the dog as much as you can. So there's, you know, there's some other things too, like um, thinking through who's going to watch the dogs while you're maybe at the hospital, assuming you're giving birth outside of your house, you know, who's going to be watching the dogs, what kind of support can they give you when you get home, for example, because there's a lot of questions that relate to when you bring the baby home in the first place and how do you introduce dog and baby um, we really, I like to try to turn that into a non-issue, which sounds a little bit callous because social media makes people think that that should be the biggest deal. You know, dog and baby are going to be best friends forever. And we have to turn it into a big photo moment. And really, I would rather, I would rather it not be a big deal. You know, the dog can sniff the baby a little bit. The dog should be on leash and then somebody should lead the dog away with lots of rewards. Um, so all of those kinds of things are available in my um, in my prep class yeah. to help people out. That's awesome. So I have one more question here related to this. You have a dog. Let's say you say you have husband, wife, no kids, dog. Let's say it's an it's a dog two to three years old. You've had this dog since it was a puppy. You've given a lot of love and attention to this dog. It's a really great dog. A baby comes in. Now the uh, the parents have to give attention to the baby. What happens to the dog at that point? Do the dog, does the dog feel a little bit left out? Do they have, do they actually have jealousy? Do they, I mean, how did the parents split their time now between the toddler, the infant that just was, just came into the family and the dog that doesn't have as much attention anymore because they have to split it up? Yeah, that's a really common scenario. And, you know, as if mom guilt wasn't bad enough to begin with, mom guilt is even worse when the parents are worried about the dog that was their first child, you know? Um, and they feel really guilty because, you know, the, they're worried that the dog sees itself being replaced by this child. And some people are worried about resentment. They don't want the dog to resent the baby. Um, so there is a lot you can do to try to help the dog not feel that way, right? So for example, you can give the dog um, a fun puzzle toy to work on 
while the parents are engaged with the baby. So let's say they're feeding the baby or changing a diaper or otherwise just focused on the the infant. And then what they can do is they can give the dog a puzzle toy to work on, for example, while the parents are distracted. And that will accomplish two things. Number one, it'll distract the dog and give the dog something to do. But it will also sort of create a positive association that if the dog is doing something really fun when the baby is nearby, then the dog can have positive feelings about the baby being nearby. So that tends to help a lot. And then there's other things that you can do. You know, if, you know, if the family is blessed enough to have two parents, then they can take turns. So one parent can spend time with the dog or walk the dog while the other parent is with the newborn. Um, you know, there's a lot of napping that has to happen when you have a newborn because you may not be getting a lot of sleep at night. So really just trying to do brief play sessions with the dog. Um, a lot of people have trouble in the wintertime because of the weather. I mean, you and I are blessed. We live somewhere really nice where we can be outside all year round, but there are places that are so cold. So you could do activities where the dog is using its nose a lot. You can hide food around the house so the dog can do a little treasure hunt and stay busy mentally, being mentally engaged in case it's, let's say, 20 degrees below zero or something and they can't go outside for some physical exercise. So mental stimulation and enrichment, those are the keys for those situations. And I also want to mention and reiterate how you also threw in there that the the dog is building up a positive association to those events. You know, they, well, the babies, they're changing the baby's diaper. I'm going to go to my place and lay down because that means I'm getting a Kong filled, you know, treat while they're doing that. So this is great. <laughs> that's yeah, what you exactly. want to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. Yes. Now I read um, a little bit on your website and one thing that I want to uh, mention that stood out to me and you can talk a little bit about this and then we're going to wrap up, but Parenting kids and dogs together is not easy. I think we've we've nailed that one home during this interview. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> parenting parenting is not easy. Dogs are not easy. And then you've got kids and dogs. And what do you what final advice do you have for anybody that's going through this right now to you know to look at what are some of the top three things that they want to look at right now with getting things in place. Besides contacting you, of course, <laughs> what what is it? What what do they want to do to make sure they've got their, all of their ducks in a row, so to speak? Well, I mean, I just want to start by saying that you're not alone. I mean, you are not in this alone. And despite what social media would have you believe, not everybody is having a perfect experience raising kids and dogs at the same time. So don't believe everything you see. And don't feel like you're the only one who is struggling because you are Absolutely not. I guarantee that a thousand percent. I would say the first thing is invest in some baby gates and some pens where you can create zones in your house where you know that you can ensure separation between dog and baby because you need breaks. You need to focus. You have to be able to go and sit on the toilet. You have to be able to make dinner. You have to be able to fold the plethora of laundry that comes with a newborn, right? And you can't possibly pay attention to everybody at the same time. So you need help. You need boundaries to keep everybody safe. I would say that you can also, you know, allow the dog and baby to be near each other if you are in between them. 
right? So if you want to snuggle on the sofa and have quality time with the baby and the dog, just make sure that your body is in between them so that the dog can't do anything and that you are literally there to intervene because your body, you can block the two if necessary. But I don't want you to think that your dog can't have attention from you um, because your dog definitely can. And let's see, what would I say would be the final thing? I think probably from a dog training perspective, just really remembering to reward behavior that you want repeated. So have little jars of kibble or treats all over your house And anytime your dog does something super, I want you to reward that because then they are more likely to repeat that behavior in the future. Yeah. So it's a great idea. You're capturing those moments and rewarding that. That's awesome. Really, really great information. I would love to thank you for being on my show. You've given us so much to think about. And one more time, I want to have you mention about your website, the web address, what's on there, talk about that, that reinforcement schedule and anything else that you have coming up, what's going to happen on your podcast and so forth. So I'll let you finish off with that. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It's been so much fun getting to know you and our little um, Instagram messages have kept me smiling for days. So thank you for that. Um, my website again is poochparenting.net. On Pooch Parenting, I've got a couple of different online classes. They're ready to go. Preparing Dog for New Baby, Parenting Toddlers and Dogs. I've got a one-time, like a workshop that's called Your First Week Home with Baby and Dog. And I'm in the middle right now of putting together a workshop for dog professionals on dogs and babies. Um, I've got a membership for parents. So parents don't feel alone if they want ongoing support that includes fun activities to do with your family, dog included, of course, um, and some training tips and things like that. Because as your babies and children age um, and grow, they change their behavior changes. And the same is true with your dog. So having somebody that you can contact for ongoing support is helpful. So my membership is for that. And then my podcast is just for parents with dogs to provide them with both parenting support and dog support. I will be having a variety of guest experts on there to help with dog training tips. I just interviewed the other day um, one of the USA Team World Agility competitors, which sounds really fancy, but she talked to us about very beginning agility games that kids can play with dogs. So that was super fun. So I have a variety of ways to help make your life easier as a parent with dogs on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you again. And we're going to wrap up this episode here, episode number seven of Puppy Talk. Be sure to check out our sponsor's website, topgundogtraining.com. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thanks, Dale. This is Dale Buchanan, host of Puppy Talk Podcast. I have an announcement of a new book that I just published called Potty Training Your Puppy. It's available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback soon to be available on audiobook. You can find out all the details of this book using the link in the show notes. It's called Potty Training Your Puppy. It's a comprehensive book with a simple and effective way to help potty train your puppy, and it really works.
Check out the link in the show notes.